It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! <laughs> In my whole life, <laughs> I got some things to say. I'm still slowly dying, but uh. hey, we all are. Good morning, Back Row Radio. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And you're streaming The Morning Side Hug. Completely loving, socially awkward, and decidedly Christian. We are a Back Row Morning Show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com. And just like yesterday's show, today's episode is going to be a little different as we examine the current state of our society. Today, speaking specifically about things we've learned during this most recent crisis and how our ideas have changed. But before we get into the serious stuff next hour, this hour, let's hold on to our favorite Tuesday tradition. It's Tuesday Junk Foods Day. It really is. I I don't know what it says about me that I just, I look forward to this all week. Oh yeah, this is one of my favorites too. And it doesn't even matter that we aren't actually visualizing, like seeing these products. Just talking about them is enough. Right? Well, listen. (laughs) I'm trying to encourage people who are listening right now to no think, absolutely there. <laughs> i'm just having a moral dilemma where i'm like really doing some self analyzation as to what it says about me that i enjoy tuesday junk foods day so much i've got some problems <laughs> let's not bring it down yet we're, Nick, we're gonna, hey, go we're ahead gonna, we're go, gonna get yeah, down later yeah, you're right i'm sure with with the discussions of serious natures. Let's just be fun. I'm going to do some jumping jacks to get me in the happy mood. <laughs> junk Food Tuesday, y'all. These are some new and upcoming junk food that has either been announced or already in stores recently. Uh, first up, Pringles. No no, no um, stranger to trying new experimental flavors. They're doing a buttered sweet corn flavored Pringle. I'm all about it. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring it. Listen here. And then I'm going to top it with some Parmesan cheese and some Mexican mayonnaise and some, I think I'm saying this right, but the tahine sauce, T-A-J-I-N. So you, that's the route you go with your, your street corn. Yes. I'm a straight butter and seasoned salt. Oh, that's you, all I need. You're missing out. You are so missing out. I don't think so. You, please don't. I ain't going to put no mayonnaise <laughs> on my corn. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, but it's not like Hellman's. It's Mexican mayonnaise and it's different. I don't know what's different about it. <laughs> I can't tell you why. But, but it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to know, okay? Uh, another company uh, is taking a stab at recreating the famous secret sauce, Hidden Valley this time. The famous ranch mm-hmm. dressing folk are trying three different versions of secret sauce. Uh, we got original, we got a spicy, and a smokehouse version. Uh, haven't heard any reviews yet. I don't know if these are actually out yet as to how close they are to McDonald's secret sauce. But I do know that most attempts at recreating this have failed failed, and been discontinued. Will this be the one? We'll have to find out. 
Remember, you heard it here fo- first, folks. Ben and Jerry's, uh, who we talked about. Oh, you know what? So we talked about that chip happens one. Yeah. The one with the chips in uh-huh. it. So I had postulated that maybe the chips were covered in chocolate and that's how they stayed crunchy. Yeah. Then I have seen other reviews and apparently you weren't remembering wrong that they weren't covered in chocolate. But the reviewer said, I have no idea how it was still crunchy. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> it's so good. But it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've only seen good things and I have not been able to find it. Yeah. I've looked every single time. I know I'm on keto right now. I know I'm not allowed to eat it, but I was going to have a few bites at least to experience it because it's a limited edition thing. I'm pretty sure Chris got it at Albertsons. Yeah. I've looked there too. I've Mm -hmm. looked at all. I looked at all. Looked at all places. Looked at all. Okay. Sorry. But new flavor. uh, Boots on the moon. Which is a uh, Netflix partnership with their new show Space Force, which all the critics hate, but I thought was pretty funny. Very liberal use of the F word, but if that aside, pretty funny show. So, Chris typically tends to watch anything first, and then he, like, you know, the first couple episodes, and then if he thinks that I'll enjoy it, then he says, yeah, sure, you should watch it. And... Not being a huge Steve Carell fan, I don't dislike him. There are a lot of things that I do like him in, but I really am not a fan of him in The Office. Everybody knows that. So Chris was like, well, I'll watch it first and see if it's up your alley. And even he was like, there's a lot, a lot of the F-bomb. And I was like, okay, fine. I just got desensitized to it by like episode three. And so I just wasn't even, didn't phase me at that point. I was just focused on the story. But I enjoyed it. Pardon me. I enjoyed where they went. It was had a lot of good, like absurd, funny stuff, and a lot of like really like heartwarming and and powerful stuff. And I think that's where a lot of the people had the problem is that they're they kept going back and forth between lampooning the idea of a space force, mm-hmm. but also trying not to offend actual military people. And so, in a sense, they went and almost made a case for the Space Force. And that was the dichotomy that they kept shifting back and forth from. And it was confusing a lot of the critics. You know, you weren't, that they weren't sticking with one plan. Okay. But that didn't seem to be a big problem with me. But anyway, Ben and Jerry's. We're talking about junk food. We're talking about junk food, not television shows. Boots on the Moon. It is a milk chocolate base. Fudge cows in there. Uh, Toffee clusters and a sugar cookie dough core. So it's one of them core ones. I'm going to have to try it. Have you had any of the Ben and Jerry ones with the core? I don't know. I've had a couple of them and they're pretty good. That was a no, not a I don't know. It was, I said, I don't know. Sorry. You'll hear it back and you'll be like, (laughs) oh, now I know why she's trying to explain herself. I don't know what she knows or doesn't know. (laughs) Do you know? (laughs) Uh, Next up, chocolatey churro Pop-Tarts. So I had the pretzel Pop-Tarts. Yeah? And I really liked them. Yeah? I've been scared. I've been scared. I really liked them. them. They're different. It's not like a taste like a pretzel? No, it doesn't taste a thing like a pretzel. Okay. But I liked it. Is it salty-ish? Does it have that sweet and salty mix? A little bit. There's not a whole lot of salt taste to it for you to be like, oh, okay. But there's a slight hint every now and then. Okay. What was that? Okay. Um, but I'm 
I mean, I'll try it, but I'm afraid for this one. Why? Why come? Why come? Because for, I don't, when I consider a churro and I consider a Pop-Tart, there's not a whole lot of similarity in texture and I don't know. I mean, one's a cylinder and the other's a a rectangle. (laughs) (laughs) See, the s'mores works because they're both square. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's how all food should work, by shapes. And you can buy square pretzels, so, you know, you can still, it's a reach, but it works. But I don't know. I I really do think that in my mind, that's what it boils down to. (laughs) It's all about the shape. Jelly Belly is set to launch a new line of chocolate truffles. The truffles are shaped like Jelly Belly Jelly Beans, but bigger. And they'll be available in a very cherry, orange, and mint chocolate flavor. I'm interested in that. But it's a truffle. See, initially I was thinking of like the chocolate oranges, you know, you used to get at Christmas. Mm -hmm. But it's not that. It's it's like a, you know, Whitman sampler type chocolate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something with a filling. So it'll be a chocolate candy with... A fairy cherry or an orange or a mint filling. The mint would be fine, but I'm Ooh. worried about the... Really? Oh, I'm super... Like, the mint is the one, and I enjoy mint mint and chocolate combination, but that's the one that I'm afraid is going to be too much of a bold flavor with chocolate. Oh, it'll be like toothpaste. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think I... that was a joke, I recall. It's always gamble chocolate whenever you get those things. Mm-hmm. It's like, this one could be caramel. Oh, I got the one filled with toothpaste. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But when you, like, the very cherry is going to be the one that I'm going to want to try first. Because okay. it's like a chocolate-covered cherry, like the cordial. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. But, yeah, I guess it would be the same kind of flavor, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Those don't I'll ship try. well, by the way. They were my dad's favorite candy, and I sent them to him one year oh, for no. Father's Day, yeah, and no. it was a melted chocolate mess when it got to him. Just in case anyone's curious, you know, yeah. Father's Day's just around the corner. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there are new Fruit by the Foots coming out, which is not something you say all the time. Fruit by the Foot tends to be pretty done with flavors, you know, but yeah. they're making a new Starburst flavored pack with all four of the original flavors. Hmm. In the box, which Interesting. is intriguing. Because Starburst is a distinct flavor. What? This. Okay. Here's a nod to my childhood. I used to take the pink and the orange and the red and the yellow and smush them together to make just one Starburst. Because that flavor combination of the pink and orange and red and yellow, separate but together. Does that, are you following what I'm saying? Separate but together. <laughs> kind of like how we've all been worshiping from home. Separate. Separate but, but together. together. Exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> exactly then that, that same way. They taste amazing. So to be able to take the fruit by the foot and stick them together, now my fingers aren't going to hurt from smushing them anymore. <laughs> It's a worthy experiment. We I'm might so need to try excited. It on air. That's we need. This is what we need to start doing. Is we need to start bringing in some of these to try. What do you think? Like on air, every now and then, just one. We'll pick one at random that we can find in our town. Try it on air. Sure. 
<laughs> I'm with you. The only catalyst is I get to pick. <laughs> of course you do. I want to give you the surprise. Of course you do. <laughs> it's the my window's just not open when we record, so I can't eat. It's for the people, Mo. It's gonna ruin my fasting. Just one bite. Just one bite is all you need. Fine. Single bite. That can't ruin anything. Yes, it does. Pull and or sorry, peel and build fruit roll-ups are back. Do you remember these from when you were a kid? No. They were shaped. Well, I mean, they were still like the little square, but half of the square was a pizza slice that you could peel out, <gasps> and the other half yes! was toppings, and you yes! could build. They are back. Oh, wow. Isn't that awesome? That is cool. I want to get them for my kids, but I'll definitely be having one myself just for the nostalgia of it. That's cool. Those were so fun. It was such a fun little thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just to build a fake candy pizza and eat it. There's something about that. I'm all about it. That was the only kind of mushroom I'd ever have on a pizza. If it was made of fruit by the foot or fruit roll up, whatever. Technically, we could do this one right now. I mean, technically, we could. Go. The next read one? Read it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the fruit roll-up. I'm like, no, we can't. Little Caesars has a garlicky, buttery, crazy bread that is now stuffed with cheese. That's right. A stuffed crazy bread. I'm all about it. Uh, I have been informed that a typical order of crazy bread is eight. But with the stuffed ones, you only get three. I am mm-hmm. not all about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. not. Man. But I would like to try it. Listen, I will go to Crazy Bread. Go to Crazy Bread. Go to Little Caesars just for Crazy Bread. I will go zero to Crazy Bread. <laughs> in, in two seconds, seconds flat. <laughs> I used to do that. I And I think it's, it might just be our Little Caesars, but they've gotten really stingy with the Parmesan garlicky stuff and when that's not on there it ruins it i it's just plain dough you're chewing on i agree but i do like how they are very doughy Mm -hmm. like they're almost undercooked Mm -hmm. kind of feeling that it's just it's a very unique thing and when they do it right and have the just flooded with the parmesan mixture Mm. chris hates it he hates what a like just undercooked (laughs) dough whereas i love it i love just Mila, the other day, they had Subway, and she got a sugar cookie, and she was telling me, Mom, I think that it wasn't baked all the way, because it was just kind of gooey. The dough was sort of, like, gooey, but I ate it, because it was so good. And Chris is over in the corner, like, that's your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's hilarious. All right. One of our weirder ones today, Johnsonville Sausage strips it's essentially a bacon shaped strip that's sausage of sausage which is it seems unnecessary it's confusing and what yeah and if you had both bacon and sausage at a thing that would be very confusing Mm -hmm. i don't like i don't care for breakfast sausage like i don't hate it but compared to bacon, there's just no comparison to me. I will pile up a plate of bacon at a buffet. But if you're having that there, too, I'd be too afraid. I'd be too afraid to use I mean, I can ones. understand that. I can understand <laughs> that. I just don't understand why people want to go change in shapes of food. Like right? sausage, again, like a churro. It's a cylinder. Right. It's, 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 
it's disconcerting. Like it's it's almost uh, unsettling. Let's put it that way. Yeah. If I saw a sausage that was shaped like a bacon strip, I'd be unsettled. Remember back in the I think it was the early two thousands where Heinz came out with like green and purple and blue ketchup. Yes. That was unsettling. Yes. Our friend Bubba from uh, Church Nerds on Friday, I remember we were at, uh, it was at Deidre's house, my wife's house, and that's what they had. They had the green ketchup, and Bubba said, okay, I'll eat this, but we have to, it was like we were watching a movie, he said, I'll eat this, but we have to turn off the lights so I can't see it. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> he said, otherwise I will throw up. Yeah. <laughs> that That's fair. And I got it. I got it. There's a whole new generation of people who are going to end up with trust issues now because of Johnsonville mm-hmm, sausage strips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Lastly on our list, Albanese, which makes uh, gummy bears, mm-hmm. among other things. But I think gummy bears is the main thing they're known for. I was going to say that was gummy bears in case. <laughs> you... <laughs> Sorry. A little burpy today. Uh, <laughs> has come out with their ultimate eight. Flavored gummy bears, which are, they're 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 amped up flavors, guys. They're 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 gourmet gummy bears, essentially. These are the flavors: Alfonso Mango. That's not the name of a person. Like Riviera. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna seem Carlton. Tom Jones to you. <laughs> uh, Amity Raspberry, Asian Pear, Black Currant, which is a big flavor in the UK. Okay. Not here, but I mean, like they have like Skittles and stuff that are black currant over there, hmm. which is weird. Interesting. Blood it's not weird. It's, it's interesting. Weird. No, everything Choose that's your words not, differently. Everything Matt. that's not USA is weird. Interesting. Blood orange, which I love that flavor. Crimson cranberry, Fuji apple, and queen pineapple. Interesting. Very upscale gummy bear flavors. I just, I don't see it lasting long. No? Because, I mean. It's like adult gummy bears. Right, but even then, adults don't eat a lot of gummy bears. And when they do, they want the ones that they're nostalgic for, right? Unless you're a gummy bear connoisseur, I don't see it happening. So I've never really been a gummy kind of person ever. Until quarantined for some reason. (laughs) I don't know what happened. I'm not sure, but I've probably had like 30 bags of gummy bears. Oh my gosh. Or gummy worms or gummy candy. It got to a very unhealthy point. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, my go-to for gummy is still the the bargain basement two-tone sour gummy worms. That's all I need. Not the trolleys? I can do that, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess that would be the go-to, but I could even just get the the cheapo gas station ones and that mm. clear unpack or unlogoed bag. No, because <laughs> the texture, the consistency isn't the same. Like I, this is why I don't like gummies. Okay, I think because growing up. My parents always bought the cheapo stuff, (laughs) and I had to chew for 50,000 minutes to get just one gummy bear down. That's called called thrift right there, Mo. (laughs) 
Not only was it less expensive, but your enjoyment of it got to extend. You're eating less. <laughs> I mean, I can see the logic and the argument behind it, but it definitely made me not a gummy person for the majority of my life until I started eating good gummies. And I'm like, oh, okay, these work. So which of these would be the one you most likely want to try? Oh, without a doubt, the crazy bread. Yeah? The 100%. Yeah, I'm like stuck. I might be going today to find out if our <laughs> surprisingly our our little town local Little Caesars does tend to get the special things like right away. We really do. Like it doesn't tend to have a delay in the rollout. Like and it does somehow, else here. I don't understand this. I really don't. Maybe we need to start speaking to the forces that be. But we have duplicates of every single other restaurant. In this town. Like, we have five restaurants total, but we have 20 because there's four of all of them. Um, How many McDonald's does a small town need? Exactly. Um, But we only have one Little Caesars. And I feel like, you know, maybe if we had two to choose from, the one Little Caesars that we got would actually... Right, do a little bit more competition. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't work with the Dairy Queen. Both of them suck. That's true. Gosh. (laughs) One my favorite thing about the Dairy Queen that's next we have a Dairy Queen directly next to this church where we uh, where we record. My favorite thing about walking in there is that they have a plaque hanging up, and it's one of those like yearly award things. And it's about uh, I'm pretty sure it was like customer service customer service award hanging up there. They've only won it one time, so there's there's like eight empty little things spaces. On there. And it's from 1998, which was 22 years ago. Yeah. And they still think, yeah, let's leave this up. This will showcase that we at one point had good customer service. And For then one year. And never again <laughs> since then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they don't care. But to be, it's nice to have a Dairy Queen next door. I can remember all the VBS planning days that we would just go get some ice cream or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they handle the ice cream fine. Yeah. Yeah. But we've also been praying for that. This church has been praying for that Dairy Queen to shut down for years so that right, so we, we could, could buy, buy that lot. Expand it a little bit. <laughs> Make a youth building over there. <laughs> Oh, man. But I'm actually really excited just for the nostalgia factor of that pizza fruit roll-up. Yeah, that is exciting. I want to buy a box. It might be the only box I ever buy, but just to have it that one more time would be really cool. The buttered sweet corn is also Pringles Mm, buttered sweet corn. There's a lot on today's list that I'm all about. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. I think the only one I'm not about is the sausage strip. Johnsonville. You've got some issues. <laughs> go look them up too. Like, see the. This is one that I highly encourage you go look up and Google to see the photo of it because it just it's unsettling. Yeah, it's gross looking. Just a. Well, mm, I imagine it would a, be. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Looks like bad beef jerky. It's just it's awful looking. That's kind of what I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've dragged that out long enough. Coming up next, we'll be talking about. George Floyd, racism, Christian community. Honestly, we'll be talking about a lot of things. We don't know exactly where we're going to go. We don't have it mapped out, just like our conversation yesterday. But uh, 
we will be at least talking about things that need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. We'll be back at the top of the hour with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. Side hug. We hope you're enjoying our mix of music this morning on Back Row Radio. We'll be talking about Black Lives Matter and much more when we come back at the top of the hour. But first, turn with us to the salty C-section. The CDC says MySpace is the safest social media site during the coronavirus pandemic. This report from John Spencer. With the current focus on ending the coronavirus lockdown safely, the CDC has praised MySpace as the safest social media site for people to congregate. A spokesperson for the CDC said, One of our recommendations is meeting in groups of no more than 10 people and also standing at least six feet apart from others. After a detailed analysis on the various social media sites, we found that MySpace was the only one to meet these recommendations. Jim, an avowed introvert and avid MySpace user, said sometimes I can go for days without meeting anyone, so I ain't gonna catch no virus from anybody. This is welcome news for a social media site that has been beset by problems, most recently losing 50 million songs behind the sofa after an update to bring it into the 20th century. Following the announcement by the CDC, shares in MySpace jumped by 100%, bringing its share price up to two cents. For more quote-unquote news, visit SaltyC.com, S-A-L-T-Y-C-E-E.com. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug, a Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And uh, we're, we're kind of foregoing our, our standard format um, for the show today because we're talking about the the state of our society. We had uh, Pastor Rafer Owens on yesterday and had a lot of really good discussions. If you, if you weren't able to catch that, I really encourage you to go check out the podcast version of that on Spotify or Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You'll be able to hear it now. Um, but today I wanted to more focus on our perspective as, I mean, just bluntly as white people mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who are in this situation. We talked about yesterday how we, we've been in this situation where the term black lives matter has been highly politicized mm-hmm. for the last several years, essentially since it started. And in each instance where these kind of protests or, or movements have come up, there's always been this kind of battle between like conservatives and liberals of trying to justify one way or the other whatever event transpired. Um, so there's always been some sort of like cloud of doubt over the event. Well, you know, did this guy have his hands up or was he rushing at the police officer? You know, essentially asking the question, did he do something to deserve getting shot or getting killed by a police officer or uh, whoever else? All these different situations have come up. But in some ways, it seems like one side is doing everything they can to justify what happened. Mm -hmm. And the other side almost goes too far in the other direction in 
almost retelling the story, even when we have like body cam footage or, or other things of what actually happened, they tell the story as completely different as like, I, I don't remember the, the, the exact instance, but I know there's been at least two or three of them where there was like a skirmish, like the, the person that, that uh, was being arrested and then eventually was, was shot was actually fighting, was actually, uh, I'm not saying that it was warranted that, you know, lethal force was used, but I'm saying it wasn't just like a situation where it's just a kid standing there and then the officer just like, no, we're just going to take him out Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so because both of the far sides politically, you know, this I'm not talking about just the normal people in the middle, but the far side conservative trying to demonize whoever was able whoever was killed and the far side on the left trying to basically nominate whatever happened for sainthood, that has thrown so much doubt and turmoil into this debate. Uh, for so many years that I think it's been almost difficult for those of us in the middle who don't really like to take sides and want to get as much information as we can to be able to just jump right in with our opinions. Um, And I'm not necessarily painting you with that brush because you always want to give your opinion. No, um, but no, it's it's uh, it's a hard it's a, it's a hard line even for me to try to explain because mm-hmm. I don't want to come off as absolutely as trying to dismiss anything. Yes, and what we talked about yesterday with the George Floyd thing is how, for the most part, this has been a kind of unique situation in that almost everybody, like I would say, ninety percent of the voices that I hear talking about this, conservative, liberal, or otherwise, are in agreement. What happened to George Floyd was absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. And all the police officers, but especially the one who knelt on his neck for nearly nine straight minutes while he was begging essentially for his life, Mm -hmm. needs to be charged with murder. Absolutely. Um, I'm not so sure it's a good thing that they pushed to get get his charge upped. Because initially he was charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. Mm-hmm. The pushback has gotten that bumped up to second-degree murder. And I I think, I'm not saying that I don't think that that was warranted, but I do think that makes it a lot less likely that he'll be, that he'll be uh, convicted. convicted of that. Yeah. Which scares me. Because if he's not convicted of that, they're not going to be he's... able to come back and charge yeah. him with the lower thing. Right. Um, and so I don't like that aspect of it. I think some time would have done more justice than no time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'm wrong about that. But justice does need to be done uh, somehow in this case. But what I wanted to kind of talk about to begin with here is the, really the term Black Lives Matter. And mm-hmm. we touched on it a little bit yesterday, but we didn't talk about it too, too much. But the idea was, or what I mentioned yesterday was, and even Rafer said this, for him and you know he was he's a black man he said i haven't really said the term black lives matter i haven't been uh using that term in the last few years uh because i don't want to be seen as promoting one side or the other mm-hmm. kind of thing you want to kind of walk the fence not offend people not be offensive and i think that i've also you know in, in my own personal thing I've seen that term be politicized so much in the past 
I also don't ever want to say that phrase and be labeled, um, you know, I guess a liberal or, you know, something weird that, you know, has nothing to do with what I'm saying, but because that term has been so overly used the wrong way, I don't want to risk saying it the right way. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to get that out. Uh, but at the same time, I also, when that initially came out, we also have the people that respond with all lives matter. Whenever we hear the Black Lives Matter, well, don't all lives matter? And my opinion on that has changed as well in this event. Because I wasn't one that actually like went out there and shouted, no, black lives don't matter. It's all lives matter. But in the same time, I've had that question of, well, why, why can't, why don't we just say all lives matter? Shouldn't we all be equal you know shouldn't that be the thing why would we want to separate them i, I thought the goal was uh, the human race right. and not just right, 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 right. Yeah. And i think you kind of touched on that too is i i think it came from some of this came from a good place it's like no we want everybody to be seen as the same so all all lives matter mm-hmm. kind of thing and so uh, that's the setup. I want you to talk and let me gather my thoughts <laughs> where I was going. So for for a while, I definitely, and I talked about this yesterday, it was difficult as a white woman to say Black Lives Matter. Because growing up in, I said this again yesterday, but growing up in a community where I was the minority as a, a white person, I never wanted to be um, taken as ignorant or offensive in the in the fact that I just don't know why you don't know the struggle that we've gone through. Why on earth are you saying Black Lives Matter, white girl? You know, back up, go find your own fight. This isn't it. Mm. But I've really had to take a stand and, and really change my mindset that, no, this is my fight. I may not personally have a horse in it, in the race, if you will, But I have people very close to me who I love dearly. I have family members who are biracial that would absolutely kill me if something were to ever happen to them. So because of them, this is my fight. I'm going to choose to stand up because of that black community that I grew up in and and that black church that I was a part of. Because of each one of those people who are so heavy in my life and in my heart, this is my fight. I need to stop feeling uncomfortable or maybe I do need to feel uncomfortable because where you're uncomfortable, that's where change comes from. You know, we can't just sit back and be okay with everything and, and expect change to happen. It's in those uncomfortable places where change is going to grow and change is going to, to bloom. So maybe we do need to be a little bit uncomfortable, have those uncomfortable conversations. But I saw a meme that really hit home for me that kind of explained what what a year we're living in right when when a meme is what's i don't know and here's the thing like (laughs) i'm just gonna be straight up honest i'm not that tech savvy to know whether or not meme is the right term to use but i saw an image how about that yeah no an image um okay um that was floating around that explained why black lives matter is where we need to be standing as opposed to all lives matter. And it was the parable of the 99. Right, 99 sheep. Yeah, you know, and Jesus leaving the 99 to go to the one. 
Do the 99 not matter? No, of course not. The 99 matter. Jesus loves those 99 just as much as he loves that one. But right now, the 99 are not in danger. Right. The lives of the 99 are safe and secure. It's that one that's gone off on their own that needs a savior, that needs to be protected and needs extra comfort and care. And so when we consider, yes, all lives matter, of course they do. White lives matter, brown lives matter, red lives, we all matter. But right now, it is black lives that need that extra care and concern, that need that support, that need to know that the communities that are around them are standing behind them and saying, we don't get it, we don't understand it, but we are with you. We are walking this with you. And so for me, that was like, no, it was what I needed to really be able to, um, I don't know, visualize in a good descriptive way why it's not about all lives right now. It's about black lives. Yeah. And I think you touched on something important when you said, you know, you were kind of afraid to actually say it because that's not your culture. Like, why Why are you even talking about it? Yeah. And it... And it the society that we live in is kind of on that tightrope of of sometimes we don't know what we're allowed to say mm-hmm. and where we're allowed to go. Even just then, you just were going through the, the list of people and you said red lives matter. Yeah. And I thought in my head, oh, gosh, are we allowed to say red, red lives? Uh, <laughs> and... That's the culture that we live in is that we're so afraid of offending people that often we just say nothing. Yeah. And that's not going to help anything. It's that's gotten us. That's going to stick us right where we're at. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, I did like the 99. I mean, no analogy is perfect, but I did like the, the 99 thing. Uh, I saw a cartoon, a comic strip of there was some guy's house on fire and a fireman was putting that out, but then he started spraying water on a, the next door neighbor's house that didn't have any fire on it and said, all houses matter mm-hmm. while that other one's burning down. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, saw a clip from Michael Che from SNL uh, doing a stand-up bit saying that, you know, if you're, if you respond to black lives matter with all lives matter, that's like if you go home and your wife comes ask, up to you and ask, do you love me? And you respond with, Baby, I love everybody. Yeah. I love all God's creatures. Yeah. You're no different. Right. <laughs> it's not. There There are times when you need to be specific. Yeah. And it is this situation where for, for years now, I mean, of course, we're not talking about just these last few years, but with the Black Lives Matter movement specifically, it's just been, I think, the last five, six years that it's been a movement. Um this movement is specifically saying something is wrong. Please hear us. Mm-hmm. And what's been happening every single time is that this movement comes up. In my opinion, what kills it is that it's getting overly politicized. And so people stop talking about yeah. it. And because for the most part, the vast majority of people are not politicizing George Floyd's death. And who George Floyd was and the specific incident that sparked this. It's sticking around this time. Like there was one incident where there's really no gray area. Yeah. What happened was absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. Reprehensible. 
no excuse for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was a big intimidating dude. He was six foot five. But to have him restrained, I'm not even going to go through the whole thing. It's it's tough to even talk about mm-hmm. at this point. It's it's and it's that morally reprehensible that we're all pretty much in agreement. I said yesterday there are a few people who are clinging to this, and I think still mostly driven by political uh, standpoint, clinging to this idea of trying to paint him at paint George Floyd as as a terrible person because in the past he had a criminal record because you know he had uh, allegedly committed a crime. To get in this situation to begin with. Okay, yeah. The crime that he allegedly committed was passing a counterfeit $20 bill. So a fake $20 bill, that's that justifies a death sentence yeah. right there on the street. That is not okay. We can't try and justify this behavior based on his past or even the action that happened there. He wasn't threatening anybody's life. He wasn't a danger to society at large and definitely not to the four police officers that were sitting on him. Yeah. So the fact that the most of us, (laughs) the most uh, empathetic and sane of us, which thankfully is a lot more than normal, are in agreement, it is allowing this situation to stick around Mm -hmm. and actually have these conversations, which we've been too afraid to have or too... I mean, some of it's fear, some of it's malaise, honestly. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people who are just so exhausted already with everything happening in the world. It seems like every other week there's a new crisis. Mm -hmm. Then we have the coronavirus thing, which has lasted for months, and we're all exhausted and and, uh, sick of being terrified of getting sick. And we're in this situation where all of us are kind of in at the end of our rope. I guess, when it comes to emotionally and what we can take. And I think that has been good in the fact that it's helped us get to the point where we're ready to say uh, it's enough already. It's enough of this already. Mm -hmm. Now, I think there's a a case to be made that this specific incident wasn't necessarily racially motivated. I saw, I know like the, the three other police officers that were on him, uh, one of them was white, one of them was uh, a- of Asian descent, and mm-hmm. I think the other one was black, light-skinned black, uh, but still black. Um, so, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say specifically that all four of these cops were racist, because that just it wouldn't really make much sense. But I do think that there is a case to be made that police brutality and bad training methods when it comes to uh, our police force is something that is likely a big issue Mm -hmm. because we do, we saw this a lot with the coronavirus thing too, is that there are people out there who, when they are given a bit of power, will quickly take it too far. Mm -hmm. And I think we might have gotten too lax in our training, not just physically, but like mental health wise, when it comes to who we're giving that police force power too Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if that means that we've lowered our standards or if that was just kind of a natural progression of where our standards began with you know building our police force uh but it's bringing up a lot of other um debates as well of 
Well, right now there's a lot of people who are calling for defunding police. I'm not sure that's the answer because then what do we have? We don't have police. We have nothing mm-hmm. at that point. But but I do also think that even on the back of that, there's a case to be made that police brutality has grown in prevalence because of systemic racism mm-hmm. in the past. That we've let things get go a little bit too far, a little bit too far, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more over time. And each time in each of these cases justified it away just a little bit more, just mm-hmm. a little bit more to the point where we're here now. Yeah. Where we can't justify it anymore and still be considered an empathetic, loving human, especially us on the Christian side. Yeah. I, I don't know where we go. <laughs> I just don't know what to so do. So, I again, I feel like I've just been like overwhelmed with knowledge and just I some of it's not really knowledge, but how about information? Yeah. Overwhelmed with information and just reading things and hearing things and seeing things and watching things and just kind of seeing all different standpoints, all different viewpoints. And I heard point made that you know we can't just continue on saying yes there are some bad cops we can't just continue saying that you know you get onto a plane you board a plane and you don't board a plane with the idea that okay this may or may not be a good or bad pilot you know <laughs> you're putting your life there into gonna this there's going to be some bad pilots exactly planes are going to fall yeah you put your life into this person's hand trusting and understanding right. that They've received the training that they need. They've received the knowledge that they need. They're up to date. They're current with any um, any new knowledge, any new training, any new software that's come out, you know, that, that causes them to have to fly differently, any new flight patterns. We put that trust into a pilot's hands to take care of our lives, and we should be able to put that same amount of trust into our law enforcement's hands, that they're going to take care of our lives, not just our white lives, everyone's lives. They're going to treat me the same as they would treat George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. You know, they're going to treat me the exact same way as as a person of color. Yeah. And that's where we need to come to. We need to come to a place where... Police officers are receiving, and I don't have anyone close to me who is in the police force, so I really don't know what their daily lives look like outside of going into the streets and protecting their community. Right, and it's got to be vastly different for every single police force. Exactly. I don't know how much training they receive on a regular basis. Is it annual training where they... You know, are they meeting with a counselor just to kind of figure out PTSD? Are they, do you know what I mean? There, But there need to be dots made and lines connected to be able to say 100% that that police force feels comfortable sending out every single person who's wearing a badge to protect their community. 100%. And all of their community, not just a minority or the majority, but all of it. Yeah, I think, and I don't know how standard this is, I think it's it would be important to have, like, mandatory psych evals yeah, every absolutely. so often. Because I, I have heard reports of, you know, 
most it's mostly voluntary Mm -hmm. like if you feel like you need it or sometimes it's offered after a big tragedy or whatever but that officers don't want to go to have you know uh, 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 um, voluntary psych evals for fear that they'll get their privileges taken away mm-hmm. as an officer because they're deemed not mentally fit. Or right. Not, you know, if they're battling with a depression or, you know, anger or anything of that nature, which would greatly affect how you do your job. I mean, if it affects how you're doing, if it affects someone who's flipping burgers and how they do their job, imagine how it's going to affect someone with a job that is so stressful and and often scary. Absolutely. Because you don't know what you're getting into. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to gloss over at all that this is an extremely stressful, uh, difficult job. Um, but, you know, I can see how you don't want to lose your livelihood. Mm-hmm. And so you just put that off. You mm-hmm. say, I can deal with it. I mean, we do that all the time as human beings. That's something that we learn and celebrate recovery. We all have these coping mechanisms that we try and just get by, skate by with life and live in denial with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that I feel like would be a great first step is make that a mandatory thing. Even mm-hmm. if it's just once a year, I feel like that would do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then it's not a punishment if someone is struggling. Right. You know, it's okay. Yes, PTSD is a real thing. Yeah. It is a real thing that affects real people. I was in a bad car accident several years ago, and for months after that i couldn't drive down that street that i was on that yeah i remember that yeah you know driving period was hard for me i would go through that intersection and i would close my eyes which was not good (laughs) i get that but it took that for me to realize ptsd is a serious Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and if it was just one small event one car wreck that kind of threw me over the edge for several months I can't imagine what people who see lives being taken every day, um, you know, they walk into really tragic crimes, really tragic events on a daily, regular basis. They have to see children whose lives were taken way too soon. Yes, you're going to have PTSD of some form or fashion. You are going to have PTSD. And that's okay. What's not okay is not dealing with it. What's not okay is sweeping it under the rug and then years later having that affect you in a negative manner somehow and how you react to a civilian on the street that's what's not okay and i think that we need to as a society get to a place where we are loving and encouraging those who wear the badge yeah you know and we're coming to a place of understanding not just Not just coming to a place of understanding for our different racial communities, but coming to a place of understanding for those who wear the badge as well. Yeah. We have to, as a as a whole, we have to understand all sides. Absolutely. Let's take a break there. Uh, we are going to breathe <laughs> <laughs> and continue discussing our changing perspectives when we get back. We'll be back at the top of the hour with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. Side hug here on Back Row Radio, sharing airtime with the best mix of Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie. At the top of the hour, we wrap up our discussion on our current state of society and what we've learned from all this. But first, here's Critical Hit with Hector Mira. Hey, everybody, welcome to Critical Hit. 
I'm Hector Mirai with Faith and Fandom, and I just wanted to share a quick thought with you. So my oldest daughter is watching her way through the MCU. She was born literally just a couple days before the first Iron Man came out. So most of the MCU was a vague blur to her up until late Guardians of the Galaxy. So she's watching through. She's watching Captain America the First Avenger the other day. And, you know, I sit down because it's a great movie. And, you know, we get to this part where Dr. Erskine asks Steve, do you want to kill Nazis? And Steve responds with, is this a test? And he replies with, yes. Then Steve says this phrase, I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. And that's one of the things I love so much about uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers' character, is that he is the one who goes in defense. He is the one who goes after the ones who are abandoned, as we see in Civil War, how he did with Bucky, as well as Winter Soldier, that he went after the ones who are abandoned. But that's one of the things that we see in our world right now. There's so much opposition. There's so many people that feel like the right thing to do is attack. When in reality, what we're called to do is what Steve had the desire for, to stand up against bullies, to defend those who need to be defended. Scripture teaches us in Isaiah 1.17, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. You know, we as Christians should know better than anyone what it's like to have someone stand up on our behalf. That when we were guilty in our own sin and our own trespasses, Christ stood up for us and defended us when we were completely guilty. And that's what he calls us to do, that we should be the ones that stand up for those who need to be stood up for. And you know, that's one of the things that this Isaiah verse points out is that you actually have to learn to do what's right. That if you want justice, you're going to have to seek it. And that we are to be a people who are called to defend those who need defense and to take up the cause for those who need to be taken up for. Faith and Fandom is a ministry of outreach and encouragement to geek culture. You can connect with us at Faith and Fandom, Finding God in Geek Culture on Facebook. We have several books of geeky Bible studies and devotionals, a metric ton of memes, are present and active at dozens of Comic-Cons each year, and have multiple podcasts, including Love Thy Nerds Pull List Podcast, which I co-host. I'm Hector Mirai, and that's your Critical Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug, a Back Row Morning Show here on BackRowRadio.com. I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. And uh, today we've been talking about, as we've been talking, we, we talked about yesterday too, mm-hmm. but we've been talking about the the situation that was really kicked into gear by the, the death of George Floyd. Um, I mean, it, it, it still feels like it just happened yesterday, but it's been a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the blowback and the... the just, just essentially, everybody stopped worrying about coronavirus mm-hmm. because this was such a big event that it is bringing more people together than it is separating people, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Yeah. It's a step forward, and it's something that needed to happen. And one of the things that we've noticed, uh, and we talked about this a little yesterday, 
one of the things that we've noticed is a lot of the people that we know and even a little bit ourselves have been kind of changing our mindset around the whole idea of systemic racism in America, uh, around um, just the term even of Black Lives Matter, and the idea that something does need to be done. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, uh, again, I, I've said this a couple times now, that a lot of this was politically motivated, that uh, a lot of people on the conservative side never really wanted to get involved with Black Lives Matter because we have seen Black Lives Matter be kind of co-opted by a lot of more liberal groups to become a, a liberal thing mm-hmm. and not a human race thing. And so we've stayed away from it or been a little bit more leery of jumping on the bandwagon. But this situation has become a kind of rallying cry that's been sticking around. And that's, I've heard some, some people talk about how, well, we all agree that what happened to George Floyd was awful. So why are you protesting? And have to be educated on the fact of, no, we're not protesting because that happened. We're protesting because that keeps happening and nothing's being done about it. Exactly. Um, and so what the term, I don't even like to use the term white privilege per se, because again, that's also a term that has been highly utilized by, uh, by like the liberal side of the political spectrum. But it is something that I've had to start considering. And, and, I, and uh, our buddy John Berkey said something to me uh, the other day that that really made a lot of sense. He said that, you know, I he said that he he hated that term until one day he had a, a realization. He was watching something uh, where a guy was talking about it's white privilege to be able to walk into a store and not be followed around by someone. And he said, that's not white privilege. That's just a normal day at the store. And then he said, oh, that's when it clicked. Black people see being able to walk around a store like normal as a privilege. Like, not even as just a decent human thing to do. It's just daily. But it's something that white people just get. Right. And black people have to earn and probably never will. Exactly. In a lot of people's eyes. And that's something that you don't really think about. And I, you know... That, I think that's common. I'm not. I don't want to like put down everybody for not realizing your white privilege. The same thing happens with like men and women. There's a lot of things that women struggle with that men just don't ever understand because we've never had to deal with it. Yeah. So we don't think about it. And so when someone brings it up that this is happening, we think, well, that's silly. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. Who would do that? That's dumb. Nobody's ever done that to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not in that boat you've never lived that life and so i think that's what's happened here is that there are so many of us who see america as what we want it to be as this great amazing melting pot of a place that it often is and in many areas is that you know it has been getting better but we sweep the things that haven't been getting better under the rug and only promote the things that are getting better because we want it to be that way it's mm-hmm. more of a desire and so it's like, it, it's, it boils down to, 
if we don't pay it any attention, it's not real. Mm-hmm. Which, another thing that we've learned in Celebrate Recovery, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Right. And it's only now I feel like that we're really starting to see this massive shift in that mindset among people that have been stuck in there, which includes me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have been stuck on that side for a long time. And to really start to see, no, this is much more important than I thought it was. And like two months, two, three, four months ago, if you'd have told me I ever would have even used the hashtag Black Lives Matter on a social media post, I would have said you're crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, I have started to get it just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I, I considered myself a, a racist by any stretch of the word, but at the same time, I wasn't really actively trying to be not racist. I just didn't address it. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Yeah. It doesn't come up. Doesn't affect me mm-hmm. kind of mindset. And so why would I talk about it? And we talked about, I think I mentioned yesterday that I've been in the mode of, you know, don't get on online uh, arguments with people for any reason. Yeah. And I've done that and it served me well for many, many years. But I've been so in that mindset that now when a situation has come up where we really should be saying something, mm-hmm. it took a lot of internal struggle to actually say anything. Mm-hmm. Um. None of this is to give myself a pat on the back. I'm just trying to show you or explain where I'm at in that we can't, I, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know where we go from here. I don't know, you know, there's no way to just say, well, how do we fix this and put the Band-Aid on it and it's gone. But at least we can get to the point where we can say, I acknowledge something is broken mm-hmm. and I am willing to listen and try to help fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do we do beyond that? I think for... So here's the thing. For far too long, we've not done anything. Mm-hmm. For far too long, we've we've taken that back seat. It doesn't affect me. And if I say something or I do something, it might be taken wrong. I might be viewed as a racist. I might be viewed, you know. So I'm just, I'm going to play the safe game. I'm going to go the safe route. And I'm just not going to get involved. I'm not going to say anything. But I've seen such a shift in that in the last couple weeks. So many people have taken taken an active choice to speak up to have conversations to make change and that's all it's taking in this moment right now that's all it's taking one we've seen every single state represented in protests um coming together standing up for justice you know and i've heard a lot of people say what are what are the protests for what are we even protesting well, we're protesting racial injustice. That's what we're protesting. Yes, it stemmed from the death of George Floyd, but it's so much bigger than that. It, and that's why so many different protests are making it a point to speak the names of of other black men and women whose lives have been taken um, wrongfully. Because it doesn't, we don't want for it to be taken as this is just about George Floyd. 
it needs to be this is racial injustice across the board that has been happening for generations and just taking that step every single state being represented multiple countries i think it's 11 different countries have been represented in protest just being able to say we're all pretty much on the same page here we're all standing together united I don't remember the last time I've felt this kind of unification since 9-11 throughout the nation as a whole. And yes, there are some who are still very much on the on the opposite end, you know, not really knowing where they land or how they should feel or whether they should support Black Lives Matter. Yes, there are those people, but the vast majority have come together for one purpose. And I think that's just where we go from here. We just continue every day to wake up with that purpose, taking that step into saying, your life is important to me. I don't understand your struggle. I haven't lived the same struggle you have, but I'm going to stand alongside you because your life is important. That's, that's the best thing that we can do at this point, I think. It may be the only thing that we can really yeah. do at this point. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, where we kind of landed yesterday when we were talking with Rafer uh, on the show was right now the main focus is empathy. Mm-hmm. We, we need to be more willing to empathize with those who are not like us. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the same issue, but it's similar in the way that we treat uh, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. We can hate the idea of homosexuality, but we often let that translate to hating homosexuals, mm-hmm. like hating gay, lesbian, transgender, all those different mm-hmm. letters yes. <laughs> that form that thing. LGBTQ and, community. Uh, we we let it. We let it color our reaction to people instead of the idea of the sin. Mm-hmm. I'll take another step for, for, uh, further. Abortion. Hate abortion. Abortion, terrible thing, needs to stop. Women who have had abortions often treated as if they're murderers. Mm-hmm. But if they've been brought up in this society, which is largely condoning of it, like we we live in the tail end of the Bible belt, but so here in Clovis, swing a cat around, you're going to find someone that agrees with you, abortions, murder. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the more liberal areas of the of the country, it's normal. It's 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 seen as as something good, which while we don't understand that, it's still you know it's their experience if they've grown up being taught that this is good this is right and that to take that away is is you know uh, disrespectful to uh, women's women's you know, rights, rights and, and all this i mean can't you at least empathize with the idea of how they got to that point mm-hmm. cuz if you're not reaching out to how they got there if you're not thinking about how they've reached this decision and what could have happened in their life for them to get to that point there's no way you're ever going to be able to change their mind mm-hmm. same thing that's going with the, the homosexuality thing if you don't understand what what pain and what struggle 
that they went through to get to that point where they came out mm-hmm. or realized that this was something in their life, if you can't empathize with them in their life and how they got there, how are you ever going to be able to share with them something that's life-changing mm-hmm. like Jesus? Mm-hmm. It's not about fix all their sin, yell at them until they stop sinning, and then force them to come to Christ. That's not how any of this ever works. You have to empathize with these people the same way you would with another Christian brother or sister who has struggled. Mm-hmm. You have to be present in their world while at the same time being led by your Savior mm-hmm. with how you react with people. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to Black Lives Matter and we're talking, you know, white people are seeing all this talk about race and systemic racism that we don't see because we don't experience it ourselves. We need to learn to stop and think and imagine what it's like to walk into a convenience store and automatically feel eyes on you. Mm -hmm. Like as a, a white male... Between 18 and 35, I can go anywhere, do anything, and nobody gives me a sideways glance. I even have a shaved head, and that's not even stigmatized anymore. Used to be people would think you were a neo-Nazi or something like that, and you'd feel those eyes on you. That doesn't even happen now. White people have all the freedom in the world these days. And yet those little things, and it's the little things that matter. Mm -hmm. Those little distrusts, those little automatic... uh, prejudices that come up because of your skin color Mm -hmm. that's the systematic part of it that's the thing that is just silently guiding the way people react yeah in the background of your mind yeah and again something that i didn't want to accept i still don't want to accept it but i can't deny it I can't deny that it's there. Yeah. I can't deny that it's happening. And I think that's what's the problem is that we've been denying that it's even a thing for so long that it's hard for us to break with that denial. Because mm-hmm. it's just another form of racism. That, To be totally honest, it's just another form of racism. To say and acknowledge that there is white privilege just acknowledges the fact that, yes, there is still racism in 2020 in America. There, It is. And I had a very difficult conversation with a couple friends of ours last weekend where he just did not want to accept white privilege. I'm talking to him. I'm trying to explain it to him. And 100% white privilege is not a thing. It's not. End of discussion. I don't want to hear your point. And I told him in that moment, and that is white privilege. To be able to walk away from a conversation and not have to hear it and say, I'm done, that's white privilege. To be able to raise your children, driving in a car, get pulled over by a police officer and not have to automatically tell your children, keep your hands visible at all times. That is white privilege. To be able to send my 14-year-old out into my neighborhood with a hoodie and sweatpants on to go run a mile and a half because he's training for cross country and not have to worry that he's going to be considered as a thief or a felon and that he might get gunned down, that's white privilege. My black friends can't do that. 
My black friends have to have those conversations with their children. We're getting pulled over. It's a police officer. We were going a little bit over the speed limit. Just make sure your hands are always visible so they don't think you're doing anything. From a very young age, they have to have that conversation with their children. They have to. Yeah. They can't send their kid out to wear a black hoodie to go run a mile and a half. We had that the guy, the the jogger that got killed um, by the the vigilantes, mm-hmm. <laughs> the vi- vigilante police force. Um, you know, we were talking about how there are some people on the far far right who are doing everything they can to justify George Floyd being killed. You know, bringing up his past criminal history or saying that even the fact that he had committed a crime by uh, passing a fake twenty dollar bill. And that's why the police were called that day. That justifies what happened. Well, we had that jogging thing where they're doing the same thing. By the first thing which we talked about yesterday was that he had walked into a construction site. Mm-hmm. Didn't say he took anything. He was quote unquote trespassing, you know, in a house being built. But again, I could do that, and nobody would look sideways. And all men want to do that. Yeah. All men want to walk into It's just something ingrained in you. Yeah, from the time I, you're a toddler and playing with yeah. construction trucks. I have <laughs> no desire to build a house or to be handy in any nature. I want to walk through a construction site and see a house skeleton. That's yeah. fun. But um, the other thing that I kept bringing up was, well, he was 12 miles from his home. Nobody jogs 12 miles. And I'm like, can you only start jogging from your, from your house? house? You don't drive to a place that has a nice area to jog in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to jog in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. my uneven sidewalks and my broken concrete streets. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the jogging trail or yeah. I'm going to go someplace in a nice area. Why is that so far-fetched that we just got to jump to? He definitely wasn't just out jogging. He was 12 miles from his house. You don't know. We don't know the situation. So if you don't know, don't just automatically jump to the worst possible case Mm -hmm. in order to justify something bad that happened. Mm -hmm. Or to make some sort of false claim that he was definitely up to no good, so he deserved it. I mean, even using that fact of him being 12 miles from his house... They didn't say he had done anything. There was no evidence that he had actually broken any laws or stolen something or hurt somebody and run away. Saying, well, something suspicious, jogging 12 miles away. Yeah. Why is that the mindset? Why is that the first place that we go to? Mm -hmm. Why can't we continue with the idea of someone being innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. There's even with George Floyd's case where he was being arrested for something. Okay, the the punishment for passing a counterfeit $20 bill is not, I'm not even sure it's jail time. It's definitely not death. Right. Yeah. So. And what we need to be aware of and we need to, it starts small. Yeah. It, it, and that's all. Just for a second, if you're hearing anything that I'm saying today, just take a second to evaluate your own heart, to evaluate your own life. If you have ever walked through a grocery store, if you're a woman and you've walked through a grocery store and you've passed a person of color and you've moved your purse to the other side, that is systemic racism. That is 
a mindset change that you need to change in that very moment. Because that person has done absolutely nothing to you other than be a person of color. And that's nothing that they chose and nothing that they purposely did. But for whatever reason, in your heart, you're triggered to move your purse because it's deemed as a threat. If you're sitting in your car in a parking lot and your doors happen to be unlocked and you see a person of color and your first thought is, lock my doors. That's a mindset that needs to change. Right. And it's not that calling this stuff out is like equating you with the KKK. Absolutely not. It's not that you're just this terrible person to the core. It's just that over time we learn these these little negative habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, some, some might have come about those negative things in an understandable manner. Maybe something did happen to someone in your family where the perpetrator was a a black person and you then kind of paint the whole race with that one instance. We can understand how you get there. Empathetic idea. But it's also completely the wrong path to take. You're not going to judge every white person by something that one white person does. Here's the thing. (laughs) We're about to bring it full circle in in this racial talk, okay? As a white person, and I said this yesterday, I grew up in a community that the white person was minority. As a white person, I don't want to still continue living with the... um, the effects of my white ancestors, what they chose to do, how they chose to live their life. I don't want to live with that stigma of being a slave owner. I don't want to live with that. I didn't commit that crime. I shouldn't have to bear that consequence. Guess what, my friend? That black person you pass in the, in the grocery store did not commit a crime. They should not have to be living with the consequence that you think someone of their culture, possibly someone of their descent, has committed. And so therefore, you are making them pay the penance for it. Simply by moving your purse, simply by having a negative mindset or having that stigma go across your mind for even a split second. If you don't want to have to pay the penance for something that happened in in our history, in our American history, for what the white community did, the white culture did, do not make the black community pay the penance for something that happened in in history as well. I'm not even going to say anything else to that. That's good. I think we'll end with that. Um, A lot lot of talk. A lot of talking. Today, yesterday, a lot of really heavy stuff. Um, This will be the last of these episodes for now, for this week at least. Um... As we said, these these uh, protests and and discussions and things are still very much ongoing. Um, we don't know what's what's going to come next from this, but if nothing else, commit to not staying silent mm-hmm. about it. Let's commit as a community, especially as a Christian community, to not let this one just get swept under the rug too. Absolutely. And start with having conversations with people who you know and love, people who you have relationships with, because starting there, it's going to be a lot easier to have empathy for 
the different sides, the different opinions. If you can't start there and have those conversations there as a starting point, then you don't have business having it with a stranger on the street. Yeah. Come into these kind of conversations with the willingness to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. With the willingness to admit you don't have all the answers. Don't come into them like they're heated debates. Come into them with an idea that when this discussion is over, you want to be a better person. Yeah. Absolutely. That's all I can say. Coming up next, we share something that we love. We'll be back in just a few with more of the Morning Side Hug right here on Back Row Radio. side hug as our show is coming to a close for today but first i want to share with you something that i love i love having a platform as small as it is to be able to discuss big issues small issues and everything in between uh we have been doing the show we're coming up on our two-year anniversary in a couple weeks it's crazy of back row radio in general and uh, we started we started the morning show, the first version of the morning show in August of 2018. So you know we're we're a little over a year and a half of doing the morning show. We did the podcast for almost three years before that. And you know our listenership has fluctuated. We, we uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we were very little. We got really big listeners uh, towards the definitely in the second year of our podcast. Not gigantic numbers, but big for a podunk town-based nobody uh, <laughs> cast to do in a podcast. Uh, and big enough that we were able to send that into a whole new stratosphere with a whole radio station. You know, fully funded from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, by people who believe in the ministry and believe in what we do. And I, I, I am honored that God has provided us this platform to be able to talk about things. Mm-hmm. And most of the stuff that we talk about is nonsense and just for fun. Mm-hmm. But every now and then we get to talk about something really important. And maybe not always this level important, but always about things that are going to change us for the better. Mm-hmm. And I think that should always be the ultimate goal. And that's kind of been the always... Uh, focus uh, the the dual focus that back row in all of its forms has had the humor and the healing mm-hmm. and how humor in and of itself can be healing in many ways um, but I'm just I'm grateful to have a platform at all so that's what I'm I'm I, that's what I love today there you go let's close out our show with a Bible verse for the day our Bible verse for the day comes from Psalms. 139, 23 through 4. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me to the way in everlasting. Thank you for joining us. There's a back row morning show every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Mo and I bring you the morning side hug most of the week. 
And Bubba and Anna bring you church nerds every Friday. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Back Row Radio and join our laughter-inducing Facebook community, Back Row Baptist Church, by going to backrowbaptist.com. If you miss a morning show, you can subscribe to the podcast version of the Morning Side Hug on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most podcast apps and catch up on our new Monday through Wednesday shows. The podcast of our Throwback Thursday episodes are reserved for our Patreon donors as well as other bonus content and incentives. If you listen to Back Row Radio and want to support the work we do, please consider partnering with us by going to backrowradio.com slash partner. Any size donation will get you into our private podcast feed. That's it for the show. Tomorrow we got a celebrating recovery special and we hope you'll join us for that and then we'll be back on Thursday. Once again, I'm Matt. And I'm Mo. Remember that Jesus loves you. We are in this together. And if you see us around, we could use a side hug. Bye. (laughs) 